0: Hey, and welcome to the Intuitively Inspired Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Elizabeth, and I'm a holistic health and food freedom coach. It's my mission to guide you into being the CEO of your own body and life. Each week we will delve into all things eating and living intuitively, stepping into the most confident, empowered version of you and redefining your meaning of health and happiness so that you can leave feeling lit up, tuned in and turned on by your life. I'm so excited that you're here, let's get started. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Intuitively Inspired. So I'm really excited for this episode. I'm very well aware that I also start every single episode by saying I'm excited. I just am. But today we're going to have some fun because we're going to be busting some serious myths around intuitive eating. I hear them all the time. People ask me about them all the time. Is it true if I start intuitive eating, this is going to happen to my body. This is going to happen to my eating habits, X, Y, Z. And so I really wanted to spend a little bit of time busting those myths so that if you are someone who's looking to start eating intuitively, but you honestly are in a place where you feel absolutely petrified to do so which is totally valid and totally normal by the way Um, and also if you are already an intuitive eater first of all welcome to the club but you can also learn how to develop your intuitive eating practice because that's exactly what it is it's a practice that will be developed over time then this podcast episode is also for you. So I'm really, really excited to dive in today and talk to you about all things eating intuitively. Now, the reason that there are so many myths flying around about intuitive eating at the moment is because intuitive eating, I don't know if you've noticed, but has become a little bit of a buzzword in the wellness space. And I am here for it. I absolutely love it. I'm so glad that finally a narrative is being pushed that will allow us and give us that permission that I feel like we all needed to listen to our own bodies and to stop searching for external people to tell us what to eat, how to eat, when to eat, and all of these different things, and actually to turn our eyes and ears inwards to figure out what our body is actually trying to tell us. So I'm really, really glad about it. But this being said... It also means that so many people have put their own little twist on it. So many people have made it mean what they want it to mean. And so there are quite a few different things that I've heard about intuitive eating and looked at it and kind of thought, well, that's not it. (laughs) So in this episode, we are going to be talking about a few of those things and really figuring out whether it's actually true or not. Right. But also understand and also be aware that for you, intuitive eating might mean something totally different to what it means for someone else. This is all about you listening to your own body and this is all about you figuring out what works for you no person is the same no person will have the same for example coping mechanisms no person will have the same reactions to certain foods etc etc so it's really important that you see this and apply this information to what you know to be true about yourself and your own intuitive eating practice i also asked you lovely people on instagram and if you don't follow me on instagram yet you definitely should so my user is at sarah elizabeth health elizabeth is with an s not a z i know it's terribly confusing and honestly just really inconvenient for me at this point but i asked you what kind of things you'd heard about intuitive eating so that i can talk about them in this episode and give you a little bit of insight as to whether it's true or not And so it's actually quite interesting because the same couple of things just kept coming up over and over again. So that's kind of good news, right? Because it means there's just variations of the same myths that are hanging around and makes my job a lot easier. So let's get started with the first myth, which is, Intuitive eating is eating whatever you want, whenever you want. And honestly, this is one that I hear flying around quite a lot. People who don't really know much about intuitive eating will often say, well, if I had the chance to eat whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, I would definitely not be healthy. So it really paints intuitive eating as this narrative that is anti-health and anti-nutrition, which is totally un True, totally untrue. And a huge part of eating intuitively is actually respecting your body, so that's one of the principles of intuitive eating, but also learning how to cope with your emotions. So let's dig a little bit deeper into this because it's something that's really important that we all understand, is that eating whatever you want, whenever you want, does not mean eating everything all the time, even though it may seem like it on the surface. And that's why I really state the importance of doing the soul work. And we'll talk about this in a little bit more detail, but let's have a look at it in principle, right? So eating whatever you want, whenever you want. So say, for example, you have a really tough day at work and you come home and you're like, well, I want pizza. So I'm going to eat pizza. And then I want cookies because I want cookies and there's no explanation for it. I just want it. I'm craving it. And so I'm going to honor that and eat it. That is very different to actually listening to your body. That is not intuitive eating. And if anybody has told you, and I know that there are some accounts on Instagram that glorify just eating all food all the time and never saying no and never stopping to question why you want to eat those things in the first instance, but that's honestly not the case. So As an intuitive eater, you naturally, what you would do is you would ask yourself, why do I crave this food? Why am I craving a pizza right now? Is it potentially because I've had a really stressful day at work? Is it potentially because my boss shouted at me? Is it potentially because I came out late because I was on the phone to someone that I don't really like or whatever else it is? And you would pick that apart a little bit more and you would try and figure out exactly why you're eating that way in the first place or why you're experiencing this craving in the first place. Now, obviously, if you start to understand that you're craving, craving for this pizza is not actually a genuine craving but it's actually because you're really stressed out and you think that it's going to give you short-term relief from that or actually you're just really really hungry and so this you know quick delivery is going to give you something that's going to be an instant hit and satisfy you straight away then that's not that's not the that's not your body wanting to eat that right that's not your body wanting that's not looking after your body that's not respect for your body to to honor that would not be respect to your body and it definitely wouldn't be coping with your emotions in a positive way so if you have a look at your current behavior around food the most destructive behaviors are often down to the fact that we are covering up or suppressing emotion right so you have a think about all of the foods that you've eaten recently and when you've eaten certain foods what was that because of was there a trigger there was there something that caused you to eat in that way and I can almost guarantee that the answer is yes. And I can almost guarantee that something underneath the surface is going on. It's maybe stress. It's maybe something in, in relationships that, that you've got going on, something in your career, whatever else it is, there's something going on that's triggered you to eat that food. And it's not necessarily your actual body that has been asking for that food. It's not your body. It is your emotion. It's ego essentially is saying that this will temporarily soothe me from the discomfort that I'm feeling in my body and so I think that is really really helpful to think about when talking about intuitive eating or thinking about whether intuitive eating is right for you is that actually the work is so much deeper than just eating whatever you want whenever you want because if you were really an intuitive eater you would stop and ask yourself what do I really need right now oftentimes if we're feeling really stressed it's actually about honoring the stress and then going to eat something versus actually using the food to cope with our emotions. So finding alternative coping mechanisms is really, really important and a huge part of the work that I do with clients. So this is exactly why I place so much importance on doing the soul work first and why I'm always talking about Doing the emotional work, doing the deep healing work, going deeper and figuring out what is actually going on underneath the surface rather than just looking at it from a food perspective. What else is going on? Your internal is always going to be a mirror of what's going on in your external. So if your external is frantic, chaotic, crazy, then the way that you eat and what you want to eat is probably going to reflect that. And so without doing the soul work, without doing the deep healing work underneath it all, intuitive eating might actually just look like self-destruction, it might look like just eating out of emotion and so it's really important to differentiate between eating intuitively, and whether you are just eating whatever you want whenever you want and if you're currently an intuitive eater and you're like oh it kind of sounds like I'm eating whatever I want whenever I want this is not bad this is not wrong again in the same way as binge eating isn't bad or wrong it's really just your body's way of telling you like hey girl there's something internally that needs some work here so it's just your body's way of telling you that it needs some attention it needs some love So I have had so many clients who have been trying to practice intuitive eating for years and years, and they've just ended up getting to the point where they're eating everything all day. And so they're not dieting anymore, which is absolutely great because anything's better than restricting yourself and depriving yourself of lots of food. But they're also walking around feeling sluggish, not feeling themselves, having low energy or not feeling just not feeling themselves in general. And so what's then happening is they're then turning back to restriction when really it's Emotional work that needs doing. It's work underneath the surface that needs doing so that you can practice intuitive eating from a place of intuition rather than from a place of ego or from a place of fear. So it's differentiating those things that is really, really important and a huge part of the process that I work through with clients. So a really good question to ask yourself here, if this is something that you're not quite sure where you sit in this or how you feel about this, is to ask yourself, if I was taking care of myself and if I was taking care of my body, what would I do? So say for example, you've just had a massive argument with your partner, you come home and you crave something sweet does that actually mean that your body is asking you for something sweet or does it mean that you are craving something else? Are you craving connection? Are you craving some self-compassion? Are you holding on to some anger that needs letting go of first? So just stopping and asking yourself that question can be really really helpful and can actually get to the root cause of what's actually going on here. Now that doesn't mean to say that every time you crave something sweet, that there's something going on internally for you. Absolutely not at all. And in fact, I eat plenty of sweet things. There is plenty of room for sweet things in my diet, which is why it's also important to look at the other principles, right? In terms of not restricting and making sure that every single food is on the same pedestal, so you're not looking at some foods as if they're good foods and some foods as if they're bad foods, etc. etc. All that comes into it as well. There's lots of pieces to this puzzle. And so if you are craving something, sweet and you're just craving something sweet great. I mean, even if there's a reason for it underneath the surface and you still decide to do it from a place of consciousness, from a mindful place, also great. But it's when you're just continuously mindlessly making decisions around food because you think you want them when really there's some deep work that needs doing so that you can actually listen to your intuition versus listening to what's going on in your head. So there's a huge difference between those two things. And I would really encourage you to have a think about what that means for you. So the next myth that I wanted to talk about is this notion of if you stop restricting you will lose control around food and this is one that I hear so many times especially from women in discovery calls when they're just beginning their process with me they literally feel like if I stop restricting I am just going to be out of control around food I'm going to feel wild around food and this is such a huge myth because it's actually dieting that is causing this need for overeating in the first place, right? So binging and restriction are two in the same. As soon as you start restricting, you can absolutely guarantee that a binge is coming, right? And so that is why we feel like we are out of control around food in the first place is because we spend so long restricting. And we will do an entire episode on the science behind binging because it is really, really interesting. But essentially, if you look back to our hunter-gatherer days, when we were deprived of food, when we were telling ourselves we couldn't eat certain foods or when we were telling ourselves or, or when we were hungry or whatever else it is, it was actually because we were in a famine, right? It meant that we were in serious danger. And so what naturally then happens is because our body thinks we're in danger, we automatically start to think more and more about food. We're automatically obsessive around food because our body is trying to keep us alive. So that's where this feeling of being out of control comes from. It actually comes from us restricting in the first instance, So one thing that I would really encourage you to do is write a list of all of the foods that you crave at the moment and ask yourself, are these foods the ones that I'm restricting the most? And this will shed a lot of light onto this subject for you because I can almost guarantee, especially if you struggle with binge or emotional eating or your relationship with food is not yet healed, that the foods that you're craving are the ones that you're trying to restrict or take out of your diet this always happens. And a really great example of this is totally non-related to food, but it, it will serve a purpose here. So if you, for example, had a child and you gave the child some felt tip pens, and then you said, listen, I'm leaving the room, but you get these felt tip pens. The only thing that I do not want you to do with them is draw on the walls. You would leave the room and you'd probably come back 10 minutes later. And what will the child have done? of course they would have drawn all over the walls with the felt tip pens because you told them they couldn't do it. And so naturally that part of their brain is just like, hey, wouldn't it be fun if we did the thing that we're not allowed to do or if we wanted to do the thing that we're not allowed to do so badly? So it's really, really important to understand that our brains are very, very similar. And especially when food is involved, because there's a survival mechanism that is there that we cannot control, that is used when our body thinks that we're in danger or we're in a famine or whatever else it is. And so even putting our rogue-like personalities aside, there is science to back up that this happens. And so this is really, really important to understand. And something that I noticed from my own personal journey is for me, one of my binge foods was pick and mix. And I don't know if all of you know what pick and mix is. I talk about it to some of my American clients and they're like, what are you talking about girl? Um, <laughs> so pick and mix is essentially a big bag of sweets that you essentially choose. It's like what you get at the cinema where you choose what types of sweets you want and then you weigh it and you and you buy it depending on weight. And these were oh my gosh I was so addicted I loved them I could eat them all day I would eat them all in one I would buy a massive bag in the hopes that they would last me a week and they would probably last me around an hour I loved them I lived for them and as soon as I healed my relationship with food I obviously allowed myself to eat these foods from time to time because I was healing my relationship with it and so naturally, I got to the point where all of a sudden, this food was not a special food anymore. It wasn't the food that I was restricting and therefore binging on the most. It was food that I was always allowed. And so it, was, it wasn't on a pedestal anymore. It was normal food. And now, fun fact, I absolutely hate them and they make me feel sick. So it's really, really interesting that as soon as you allow yourself to eat in abundance, the foods that you would restrict. As soon as that happens, your body all of a sudden does not crave those foods anymore. All of a sudden your body's like, ah, oh, right, I've made peace with this food now. I Now I wanna go and eat things that are gonna make me feel good, right? And this is exactly what happens. So I really hope that if this was something you were worried about, that this has put your mind at rest a little bit. And I would also just encourage you to ask yourself, How many times have I genuinely felt out of control whilst I've been dieting? Because I don't know about you, but when I was dieting, I was out of control a lot because I could not keep it up for long. Um, And so, really thinking about actually, how long do I feel under control in my current situation? And especially if you're a binge or an emotional eater right now, then obviously you there are plenty of times where you feel out of control, right? And so, thinking about how much more difficult can it be being an intuitive eater when I already lose control quite a lot. So really having a think about that as well. And I think that's really, really important to mention. So this is a really important myth to bust because I think it holds so many people back, but it's totally untrue. So another myth that I got asked about is that you eat more often when you're an intuitive eater. Now, this absolutely depends. What I would say is that when I first work with clients, I do try to get them to eat regularly and to have a bit of a routine with food because I don't know if you've noticed, but the hungrier you are, you are more prone to a binge. And so it's really, really important that, yes, you do eat often in the beginning so that you can get to know your body. Oftentimes, right at the beginning of your intuitive eating journey as well your body isn't necessarily giving you off hunger or fullness cues at this point if you have been ignoring your body for years and years and years the chances of your body honoring you with cues is very unlikely and so especially at the very beginning of your journey it is likely that you'll want to be eating more often until you get to the point where your body is naturally starting to tell you again hey I'm hungry. Hey, I'm full, which will only happen when you rebuild that trust with your body, which is why it's also super important to get some support with this. And so, yes, that can be the case where you eat more often. However, the amount that you eat may differ. So, For example, if you're someone who is, and this completely depends individual by individual as well, of course, because all of us have totally different routines and different eating practices at the moment. But if you are someone who eats a tiny little breakfast or no breakfast at all, then you're eating a tin of soup or something for lunch and then you're binging in the evening, really think about, how much you're actually eating overall during the day you're probably not eating very much at all in the mornings and then you're overeating in the evening so that kind of evens itself out whereas with intuitive eating you're eating a lot more proactively so yes you might eat a little bit more for breakfast you might eat a little bit more for lunch but then there's no binging in the evening and so it makes total sense right because you are actually deciding what you're eating because it's coming from a place of intuition versus coming from a place of i'm absolutely starving and stressed and just want to eat everything right now and so the answer is a little bit different there you might eat a little bit more often to begin with it really depends who you are as well some people wake up and they're not very hungry in the morning some people wake up and they're starving in the morning and it's really all about listening to your own body and finding out what's right for you So I have had clients that are on opposite ends of the spectrum where for example one side is that they don't eat very much at all and therefore they are in this losing control around food a lot phase because they're restricting so much that they're barely ever eating anything and so obviously they naturally end up binging quite a lot versus the people who are just eating you know in that phase of eating whatever they want whenever they want and so they are just constantly heating all the time continuously and there's obviously something going on underneath the surface there and so each of these People's journey will be totally different, and what they need in order to recover will be totally different. And that includes food, not only coping mechanisms, but food. And so, it's really, really important that when you think about what might happen when you learn to eat intuitively, that you're not looking at anyone else's journey because it's going to be totally, totally different for you. And I think that is the power of one on one coaching as well, because when you are in a group coaching scenario, you've got so many different people in a space together. So a lot of my clients struggled with um, childhood trauma or there's something that went on in their past that we need to talk about and we need to deal with in order for them to move on with their relationship with food. And I can't imagine just being able to deal with that in a group capacity, right? Which is why all of my work is one-on-one. I believe that one-on-one is really the only way to do this because it's so easy to compare yourself but it's so important not to right looking at other people's version of intuitive eating is not going to be supportive for you at all and so really thinking about you know the fact that your triggers are going to be totally different your background is going to be totally different your childhood experiences your cravings your coping mechanisms they're all going to be completely different from anybody else that you know and so it's really really important to first of all not compare yourself to anyone else's intuitive eating practice or journey but also if you are going to get some support to go to someone where you can work with them one-on-one and you can really have someone's full and undivided attention Which brings me on to, I guess, the last thing that I wanted to say before closing off this podcast, which is that I have a few slots available for May right now. So if this podcast episode has really resonated with you and you're in a situation where you're just like, oh, I need help in this area, then my program Healing to Healthy could well be the program for you. I have worked for such a long time on this program. It's currently the second version and I've walked countless women through this process and it would be an absolute pleasure to do this with you. So Healing to Healthy essentially is a 12-week program where you would work with me one-on-one to support you in healing your relationship with food. So if you struggle with binge or emotional eating, this is perfect for you. And we literally delve into everything from the soul work. So this is getting to the root cause of why the binge eating is happening in the first place and getting to do all of that deep emotional healing work that I was talking about earlier. And and then, of course, moving into rebuilding your relationship with food and learning to eat intuitively. Then, of course, reconnecting to your body and learning to get back into your body, out of your head, back into your body. There's a lot of body image work that goes into this program as well. And then learning to reinvent what your version of healthy actually looks like and what intuitive eating actually means for you. So if you've resonated with this episode and you're just like, yes, I need support, I am gonna go and get help, then definitely do please reach out to me. You can book a free discovery call. And and have a chat with me about what your situation is what your story is what you're looking to achieve and whether this program is right for you and also whether we're right for each other as well so a really nice note to end the podcast on please do let me know what you've taken from this podcast please do feel free to get in touch with me and let me know how you got on with this and I will look forward to speaking to you in the next episode If you loved this podcast, please do share it with a friend or leave a review. It would mean the world. Also, don't forget to find me on IG as I would love to connect with you. You can find me at Sarah Elizabeth Health. Elizabeth with an S, not a Z. Sending you so, so much love and I cannot wait to connect with you in the next episode.